0: This is a Retail Insider podcast. You're listening to The Weekly. Welcome to this week's episode of The Weekly by Retail Insider. I'm Lee Rivett, and I'm joined with the Editor-in-Chief of Retail Insider, Craig Patterson, to discuss this week's most read articles on retail-insider.com. We're currently recording on February the 12th, 2020, and we just wanted to mention one of our advertisers, JLL Canada, as they're supporting the podcast for the week, and we'll have a quick message from them later on in the podcast. So thank you very much, Craig, for joining me. Hello, everyone. Now, we have three articles that we'd like to cover during this podcast. The third most popular article was the Retail Insider Brief that went out that is typically popular just because it's so dense with Canadian retail news that we've crammed in there. So besides the Retail Insider Brief, there's two other articles that we want to cover that were quite popular, and they both have to do with Toronto's Yorkdale Shopping Centre. The first article has to do with the shopping centre itself being named canada's top mall and the second article is to do with louis vuitton opening up their flagship in yorkdale shopping center so to start off craig what's required for a shopping center to be named canada's top mall that's a good question i mean
1: there's you know, different, you know, measurements, I guess you could say, uh, to call a mall a top mall. In this case, uh, I created that title. Yay. <laughs> Mario <laughs> Tonaguzzi wrote it, but, um, uh, you know, it was really about the productivity of the shopping center in terms of sales per square foot. Yorkdale as. Uh, you know top in the country um it's approaching two thousand dollars a square foot one thousand nine hundred and sixty four is what it was at uh, the end of June of twenty nineteen which was when the numbers were collected mm. technically and uh, uh you know the center uh, has been the top shopping center in terms of sales per square that uh, per square foot in Canada uh per year uh for at least the last five years, and I think more so i think c f Pacific Center in Vancouver at one time was number one okay. so uh, we're talking like maybe twenty twelve or so. So, um, but, uh, you know, Yorkdale is is very successful for, you know, various reasons, actually.
0: And I'm assuming there's a lot of different ways to assess Canada's top mall. And so for myself as a general consumer wandering into a shopping center, the sales per square foot figure that you're talking about doesn't necessarily strike me as something that is like even attainable or I didn't even know something like that existed. So for our listeners, like how does the sales per square foot get calculated And how did you get that?
1: Yeah, yeah. So I also collected those numbers. I did the Retail Council of Canada shopping center study. I wear way too many hats. And uh, uh, so the landlord did report those numbers. Um, where they come from is they look at the sales per square foot for non-anchor retailers, which means that not the department stores in this case, that would be Hudson's Bay, um, Nordstrom and I'm assuming whole yeah. rent for all the whole, it's yeah. actually, I think does higher numbers than the average for this, for this, uh, for the smaller retailer. So you kind of look at the retailer, you, you exclude the department stores. You don't include the common hallways. You look at the stores that are located in the mall that, you know, you've got a Starbucks, you've got a Max Mara, you've got, you know, whatever, all those shoes, uh, they look at the sales per square foot and they basically do the math. They say, this is the square footage of these reporting non anchors. Um, this is the total revenue that we've calculated and it's you know basically a math equation and it's just under two thousand dollars a square foot essentially just to for me to try to simplify that
0: well and for me if I was to rent a condo in downtown Vancouver I would assume that I'm just going to be paying a certain flat fee per month and I wouldn't necessarily need to like you know report on any of my activities which would be sales or otherwise so for me to hear that the landlord would be able to know what the sales per square foot for their tenants was a surprise to me you know
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, retailers very often report their numbers to the landlords. Not all retailers do. Uh, I would say most do, however. Um, And, you know, it's for various reasons. I mean, it's the success of the retailer. Um, Are they meant to be there? I mean, some retailers, unfortunately, don't survive in certain locations. Uh, In some cases, some retailers will pay a percentage of their sales to mm. landlords and uh, that can be in a few different ways i mean one way can be you know a retailer may pay uh, a base rent per square foot of we'll just say a hundred dollars a square foot in a nice shopping center um, and then say if their sales go over a million dollars, they start paying an additional, um, you know, six percent rent, uh, you know, of all of their sales on top of that over a certain threshold number. Um, some shopping center landlords—I won't say who because yeah, uh, they probably get yep. mad at me at this point—will uh, uh, are now only charging percentage rent. I mean, there are some shopping center landlords that are struggling, or they're trying to get certain tenants, or they're trying to do different things. And um, so, you know, really, the landlords for the most part will know what the sales are of most of the retailers that are on their property but you know in the case of say some Hudson's Bay stores or some Apple stores you know they may not be reporting their numbers to landlords and uh, you know that that can be effective as well and like like I said at Yorkdale with Holt Renfrew I mean I'm going, uh, two, 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 uh, they do more mm. than 2,000 a square foot yep. so it's <laughs> it's a very productive uh, store and still under renovation though they're, they're doing lots of great things there.
0: Well, thanks for clarifying. I didn't know where that term sales or foot was coming from. It just sounds more like a base sales plus commission. But uh, when I was reading through the article, we did speak to a representative from Yorkdale. And it looked like they were talking about the secret mm-hmm. to their success. And I was confused on what that meant for a couple of them. So I was just going to run through them if that's okay. Yeah, yeah. But, I'll do my best to answer it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, on the first one, they okay. went and said, well, the location was one of the secrets to the success. And so for myself like i know that you know the yorkdale area like it's next to social housing it's so the immediate area like i even remember there was like a shooting that happened there that they shut down yorkdale shopping center which i'm sure happens in like eaton center and stuff like that from time to time but Mm -hmm. um so for me the immediate location it was an odd like number one secret to success so i was just wondering from your perspective why is the um, maybe immediate location or maybe they're thinking more broader than that maybe? But what's your thought, Craig? On yeah,
1: that? oh, absolutely. I mean, the immediate area around Yorkdale, I mean, it's quite mixed. Um, there's some, you know, lovely little middle-class looking houses just to the south of it, uh, just south of Yorkdale Road. Uh, um, there, you know, there are some Toronto housing um, buildings that are quite close and nearby just to the south of that, uh, which are being redeveloped. Apparently, it's a huge, like, Billion dollar redevelopment of that neighborhood. But, you know, it traditionally hasn't been that wealthy. But I think that what Claire was getting at in terms of location is when you look at the bigger trade area and even the areas that are quite close to Yorkdale, there's actually quite a bit of wealth. So um, yeah. You know, I mean, I think that Yorkdale is successful for a few reasons. Uh, they've added full-size restaurants. Uh, people can go there. They can spend a day. They can go, say, to the Cheesecake Factory or Moxie's or, you know, wherever they would want to uh, to eat. Uh, Chick-fil-A just recently opened in the food court on the third floor. I think they call it Dine on 3. Uh, oh. it's, I think it's Mitchell's Bakery. I hope I got that right. I was calling it Michael's, which is wrong. It's just because I'm slightly dyslexic sometimes, and or just or just a, a <laughs> negligent reader. But uh, you know, they've got this little cafe concept. They're bringing in all kinds of other food and beverage options. I mean, actually, you and I, Lee, ate at Torah. Mm. Oh yes, we went to the opening wow. of that, oh. and that was a, a, a bit over a year ago. Amazing Japanese food. It's got this like thing that whisks it to your table. I don't know what you call it like a conveyor belt system. Conveyor belt. Yeah, it's not like oh,
0: shooting it forward.
1: <laughs> it's great. I mean, and there's another. I forget the name of it. There's a, a really interesting Chinese restaurant that's opening. Um, I think it's like Yu something Chinese, and it's two floors mm-hmm. high, and it looks like it'd be quite upscale. Like the hoarding on the uh, on there looks amazing. Um there's an entire wing around restoration hardware or RH is I guess what they call it. I mean mm-hmm. I prefer to use the whole name because people might be like what are you talking about? But um you know food I mean IQ foods they now they just call it IQ kind of like RH. Um you know that opened there a couple of years ago um Danish pastry house is going to be opening there Kit Kat is in that wing which I love so much uh so much fun. Yes. Uh, melee which is not so much food but they actually serve you food in there you can get like three meals a day if you go shopping in there and they're free because they're you know demonstrating their cooking uh, gadgets cooking and whatnot gadgets. yeah so you know yeah. there's lots of food and beverage in there um, Yorkdale's I think succeeded as well because um, you know luxury stores when they're successful not always they're not always in de- where depending where they're located but a lot of the luxury stores in Yorkdale do really 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 high sales numbers so they're really bumping that sales per square foot number up at Yorkdale um, other stores like you know Canada Goose does really well in terms of sales and You know, Tesla, uh, same thing. I mean, these are like, you know, multi $10 million type of retailers. So again, these are all propelling those numbers for Yorkdale and not every retailer is doing incredibly well. I mean, I don't think Forever 21 was performing very well when it was at Yorkdale. And I know there were plans to perhaps repurpose that space well before Forever 21, you know, exited Canada and, and did it itself in terms of, you know, shut down the Canadian operations. So um, really, you know, one thing that I was told, uh, you know, by Claire, we've talked lots about Yorkdale cause I, I find it fascinating. It's the gold standard. I mean, you know, you can learn a lot by talking to mall managers and others involved and Yorkdale really does try to be all things to all people. So obviously it's mastered the high end with the valet parking and the uh, tremendous luxury shopping. It's probably the highest density of luxury stores in Canada at this point. Um, but it has a real diversity of stores. I mean, they've got uh, all the stores that are in there really have to put on their best presentation, um, very often, they're going to be a flagship concept. Um, the idea is to have that store being the latest concept. They don't want an mm-hmm. old-fashioned store in there. You know, uh, the landlord makes the retailers you know renovate if a lease is coming up or whatever. You know, the lease terms might be mid lease. It really you know depends on on what's happening with the retailer or perhaps the is just you know, sprucing itself up. And, and, you know, Yorkdale, I think, is looked at as being a very important place for a lot of retailers. So given that Yorkdale's, you know, attempting to be all things to all people, you know, they're looking for a younger shopper. They're looking for someone that may be a bit older. They've got, Mm. you know, Zara and Old Navy are in there. I mean, those are affordable to most people. You've got, you know, Chanel, which is a concession at Holt Renfrew, Bottega Veneta, Valentino, uh, Balenciaga's opened. I mean, those are the the high-end brands. Uh, you know and more luxury brands are to come Uh, and i think we're going to talk about another one here in a little bit of detail aren't we
0: (laughs) and just a quick word from our sponsor for the podcast which is jll canada what's your ambition visit jll.ca to see how jll is here to create rewarding opportunities and amazing spaces around the globe where people can achieve their ambitions Yeah, and the second article we wanted to talk about in the podcast has to do with Louis Vuitton opening up their flagship in Yorkdale. Uh, So tell us a little bit about that, Craig.
1: Yeah, Louis Vuitton is going to be opening in the summer at Yorkdale. I think that's what it said on the construction hoarding, which is interesting. It's going to be about 8,000 square feet uh, or maybe a little bit less. I've got uh, the lease plan uh, that was sent to me by someone with a landlord and... Um, it's certainly over 7,000 square feet, but, um, it, so if okay. you look at the, um, Louis Vuitton store on Bloor Street uh, West, or the Mink Mile, as we've kind of coined it as a term, not us, I mean, it's, it's been called that for a few decades, but uh, I think we've revived it, because <laughs> really there yeah. isn't much mink going on, 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 you know, the Mink Mile anymore, but it's just, we just kind of use that term to say it's glamorous, right? Um, the store, uh, on Bloor Street, the big one, is about 18,000 square feet, so... But it is honestly gigantic. But, you know, I was told that the Louis Vuitton at Holt Renfrew at Yorkdale was actually doing higher sales numbers than the massive Maison uh, for Louis Vuitton, which is located, you know, on Bloor Street in Toronto. So... Uh, It is interesting. I mean, Yorkdale really has created uh, a tremendous clustering of luxury brands. So if someone is looking to, you know, maybe buy from multiple brands and to do so efficiently and be able to drive their car up there and have it parked for them, you know, Yorkdale is kind of the place to go in the GTA, uh, or one of a few, I guess you would say. But it's it's certainly a leader in a lot of respects. So, uh, you know, Louis Vuitton, uh, I was told that the facade is supposed to cost over a million dollars alone to build.
0: Wow. So... One, we just wanted to quickly move on to the last popular article, which was the brief, which is always popular due to the density of retail news in it. But right off the top, the French bakery concept, Paul, is entering the Canadian marketplace, which is in Vancouver. So if anyone has been listening to the previous podcasts, which hopefully you guys are, I gush about La all the time on Robson Street and literally across the street from it is this new French bakery concept, which is going to have pastries, cakes, croissants, all that kind of stuff. So I was surprised. So Craig, what's your thought about um, literally across the street, uh, another pastry?
1: Yeah, and under the same sure. ownership umbrella. Yeah, I uh, know. I don't, oh. know I, I don't know if people know that. It's uh, the Holder Group. Um, I think it's a two brother situation type of thing thing, but it's the same family, uh, La Deux, you know, David Holder, who I met, nice guy, um, you know, has, uh, the La Deux brand, uh, We've got you know local licensee in Canada who's uh, she's great and uh, um, but now we're seeing Paul, which is a bakery concept that uh, you know is opening across from Ladurée on Robson Street, first location in Canada. Yeah. Um, you know I think that some people might say, oh my goodness, this is bad for Ladurée. I mean they they do have baked goods. I mean we reported on uh, Ladurée opening its pastry laboratory, which means that now they're able to have cakes and pastries and, you know, other fresh baked goods that, uh, you know, by the way, in Canada didn't have until they, uh, you know, opened that pastry laboratory, right? So you and I went for brunch there with, uh, with Alessia and everyone <laughs> to actually experience yeah. that in November. It was really great.
0: Um, well, i'm wondering like is it they're not associated like it's not like they're going to use the laboratory and stuff like that and share between the two nope. it's like completely different concepts different it's they're french pa- pastries but they're different in in its entirety, Absolutely, right? there's no
1: relationship between the two in vancouver specifically um to the point that there was a lack of uh, knowledge that paul would be opening um so uh, you know it, it did come as a surprise i think that actually it's not a bad thing for Ladurée. I, I think that there's a clustering happening in terms of interesting food concepts on the 1100 block of Robson Street. Uh, Uncle Tetsu, the cheesecake um, brand mm, retailer, yes. is also opening a, on the street. I mean, different different uh, food, you know, maybe not competitive, but, but you know, yeah. Ladurée is really it's known but, for its macarons. Uh, you know, you can do high tea, you can do you know different things, but yeah, it's known for its baked goods as well. I mean, Paul's price point I think would be lower than Ladurée generally, so you know, it may attract a bit of a different consumer. Um, I can't really speak to the quality of Paul. I mean, Ladurée is known for its quality. I can I've eaten some of it, and I can confirm it's good. So mm-hmm. uh, you know, it remains to be seen how Paul is. I'm sure it's not bad. I mean, with hundreds of locations around the world, I'm sure they've done you know uh, really well in terms of perfecting their concept and the food that's in there um but very often you know it's the same thing with the Yorkdale we just mentioned uh, you know a clustering of food and beverage in this new wing that's there um it is a place that people can go and have options to try different things so this actually might you know increase foot traffic on the 1100 block which I think is needed um you know the, the street had I think seen better days there were some vacancies there and uh, you know, having, uh, you know, Uncle Tetsu, um, the new Paul, and uh, La Doré. I mean, I, I think this is all really, really good news for the street. I think also Aritzia might be adding an in store cafe, but uh, it's it's not quite to the same level. It has coffee and some pastries and whatnot, but they're going to renovate that yeah. Aritzia store apparently and and do that as well. And I think it's all good news for the street. I mean, I'd rather have, I think, more food and beverage overall than just to have less because you're able to attract people with more. And uh, if people are able to say, oh, I want to go down there because there's some great places to eat. I mean, they may go to both locations. They're like, oh, I want some macarons or I want some, you know, specialty that's in whatever other, you know, food concept is in that area. And say, Paul, for example. Yeah.
0: Well, and besides um, the Paul entering the Robson Street location, uh, is it, uh, taschen is the name of the german art book publisher yes yes
1: taschen um they're interesting i mean people may not be familiar with the name but they've probably seen the books there's these fancy coffee table books you may see in your local whatever business you're in where they're trying to show off with a big fancy book i mean these these big thick usually hard i think they're almost always hardcover i'm assuming glossy books they'll be about fashion or art and uh you know they're not cheap some i think are over a hundred dollars uh uh, or more, or a lot more to, to buy, and so Tashan actually opened uh, a shop in Vancouver. It was a partnership with the Fairmont uh, Pacific Rim Hotel, really fancy uh, hotel on the waterfront in downtown Toronto, and and Tashan has like this area on the mezzanine where they're they're selling these you know fancy books
0: right at the end of the day like i mean if you're going to be staying at the hotel and if it's rainy outside and you just want to kind of pick up a good book and just kind of look through something um i could see why they would try to partner with the um Hmm. hotel kind of uh uh, bend as well but besides this article to do with um with the book publisher Holt Renfrew was rebranding its in-store restaurants which I thought was interesting because I remember about a year ago where they announced that they were rebranding them all to Colette Grand Cafes and so now it seems like they're backstepping Mm. now. Um, into some other branding kind of um, strategy. So what's your thought on that? Because it seems like it's in, now, out, now changed again. Well, I'm
1: going to, i have to speculate a little bit, yeah. but uh, <laughs> you're right. Yeah, I mean, Holt Renfrew had, you know, cafe at Holtz or Holtz Cafe. It's one, depending if you're speaking French or English because they, they're, they're switched around. Um, you know, for a few years, you know, there were multiple locations of these Holtz Cafes. They announced uh, about a year and a half ago, I'd have to go back and check on that, but it was going to be Colette Grand Cafe. So they'd partnered, uh, with the chase group which is a restaurant group uh, out of toronto there was a uh, colette grand cafe at the thompson hotel in downtown toronto and uh, so they said that they were rebranding i think it was five restaurants in holt renfrew there was you know a blur street store yorkdale vancouver uh montreal which i think oh, it would have been the montreal store that's closing this spring and edmonton so Um, Edmonton never did convert over because I guess they decided to close that store at some point in the last little while and so they just didn't bother but um, they did rebrand Vancouver Yorkdale and um, I guess it was yeah Montreal as um, Colette Grand Cafe and I'm just speaking anecdotally because I you know I don't have the sales numbers I'm not as connected to food but the, the restaurants didn't look super busy anytime I was around there I mean I do some traveling I look around and you know, they, they seem pretty quiet, and I'm guessing that one of the reasons they may have um, rebranded these back to, you know, uh, Holtz Cafe, uh, it's just is because it, it's a bit more on brand, like people in Vancouver wouldn't know what Colette Grand Cafe is, you know, Honestly, I wasn't really that familiar. Living in Toronto, <laughs> with the one at the Thompson Hotel was. So, but you know, when you know what a, you know, Holt's Cafe is. It's the cafe at Holt Renfrew. Uh, you know that might be a little bit more uh, understandable to the visitors. I mean, Holt's does rely to a degree on tourists for its, uh, uh, you know, customers coming into the stores in certain markets. So I, I think that you know having a cafe that's on brand probably makes sense. It is still the Chase Group that's going to be running these restaurants, or is running them, I guess I should say. But uh, just under that name for Holt Renfrew.
0: Well, I think that is pretty much a wrap for the podcast for the week. Thank you, Craig, for joining me and going through the popular content. But we just wanted to remind everyone that we do have an email newsletter that you can subscribe to that goes out every morning with a link to the Canadian news from around the web that was curated from the previous day, with as well as links to our recently published articles that are exclusive to Retail Insider. So if you go to retail-insider.com, you can find the subscribe area at the very bottom of our main page, and then you can get that email into your inbox every morning. So thank you for listening to this podcast. Please do subscribe to be notified when new episodes are published, but also to help our discoverability ratings to help other people find us too. And if you think that we are five-star worthy, please do rate us five five stars too to help out as well. So thanks again, everyone, and see you next week. Thank you so much, everyone.